Genesis chapter 16, verse 13. This is uh, probably a familiar story to you. Uh, Remember, Hagar was the uh, handmaiden of Sarah. She had not been able to have children. She was not able to have children. Uh, He was barren at that point. And she believed that God had closed off her womb. And uh, so she went and told her handmaiden, Hagar, that, you know, that she could go into Abraham and, you know, try to have a child with him. That was a common practice in that culture back there. And, uh, but they sort of acted in uh, a little bit of, didn't have a lot of faith. And so uh, she does that. She conceives. And when Sarah finds out, she's not happy about it. You know, it's like a woman changing her mind, you know. (laughs) And uh, so she nags at Abraham, says, get rid of her. Get her out. So she does. She flees out into the... Wilderness. Well, the angel of the Lord comes there and meets her and says, Hagar, what are you doing out here? He said, well, I, you know, I'm afraid of my mistress. He says, return to your mistress and submit yourself into her hands. Uh, in verse 10, he says, and the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly that it shall not be numbered for multitude because this would be an offspring of Abraham and God had promised uh, to make Abram when he changes his name to Abraham, that's when he makes many different nations instead of just the, you know Israel. And uh, he said, "Thou art with child shall bear a son, shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction, and he will be a wild man; his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren." And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, "Thou God, seest me." And she realized that, you know, that God was looking out after her. And so, you know, God sees us. And sometimes we may wonder if God's seeing what we're going through. And so he does see us. I wanted to share with you uh, just uh, four things that when God sees us, and uh, what that means for us, okay? Roman number one, in John chapter one, verse 40. All right. John chapter one, verse 40 through 42. Jesus starting to call his disciples it said, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John, but you shall be called Cephas, 
which means Peter. First thing we see is that God sees you with all your potential. Peter was a rough fisherman. But Jesus saw the potential in Peter. Notice, letter A, God sees who and what you are. What you presently are, your present condition. And, uh, you know, we sing that song, Mercy Saw Me. And it says, he didn't see me as I was, but he saw me as how as I could be. Could be beautiful. So God sees us not only for what we are with all of our problems, all of our weaknesses, all the uh, things that we do that would limit us from being able to serve him. He sees us for what we are. You know, he knows us intimately. Nobody else knows us like God does, but yet he still chooses to love us. Isn't that amazing? And then letter B, not only does he see us for what we are, he sees us for what you can be for him. Thank the Lord he doesn't just say, well, that person, he's of no good. But rather he knows what we can be with work. Getting a little bit of a ring, Jason. You want to cut this back just a hair. Uh, in verse 42, he says, you are Simon, just a fisherman. Everybody knew him as Simon. But he says, you're going to now be known as Peter, which means the rock. Now, that doesn't mean that he was the foundation on which the church was going to be built. Okay. As uh, our Catholic friends want to try to say. But no, he was a sturdy. He was strong. He was going to be a strong person. And uh, he sees what you can be for him. Let me ask you, have you yet reached the potential for what God knows that you can be? Probably not. We've still got to go. Uh, I don't know if any of you ever heard of Bill Gothard. Bill Gothard, back many years ago, he was a youth pastor, and he found that these principles that he taught uh, to his youth group, they worked so good, and then people wanted to have them. So he started doing these big citywide meetings. Uh, I went to one over in Om- at the Om- back the Omni, that's when we were in, in Noonan, and uh, there were like 17,000 people there. And he had this big red notebook that you sat there for a week and took notes on the principles. He called it, started off calling it the uh, uh, Institute of Basic Youth Conflicts. It later became Institute of Basic Life Presence. And there are a lot of good, good things in there. Just basic principles taken from the Word of God that help us be what God would have us to be. But uh, they had these little buttons and they had these letters on it, PBP, PBP, God, I, N, F, W, M, Y. Anybody know what that stands for? Please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. <laughs> Aren't you thankful that uh, God is not finished with us? But God knows not only what we are, but he knows what we can be. In him. God sees you with all of your potential. And then in Luke chapter 5, see another instant of God seeing us. On, in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, 
He says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that day. Roman number two, God sees you when you are in need of instruction. In need of instruction. Here are these men out here fishing. And Jesus knew that they needed some instruction. They needed some lessons. They needed to learn. And so uh, he used, right, took them right where they were, fishing, and said, okay, I'm going to teach you something. Letter A, God uses the events and circumstances in your life to teach you and to grow you. You may think that that was an accident. You may think, well, what could I learn from that? Why is this happening? God's trying to teach you something. He's trying to give you some instruction. He sees that you need some instruction. And so he uses these events and circumstances to teach and to grow us. Letter B, also, God knows what lessons we need to learn and when we need to learn them. See, there are things that you already know that I don't. That I haven't yet learned. And so I don't need to learn that lesson. There are lessons that I need, well, may need to know, learn later on, but not right now. So God's not going to teach me that lesson right now. He knows exactly what I need to know and exactly the time I need to know it. And he will use the events and circumstances in my life, just like right here, to try to teach something. What about Peter? What did Peter need to learn? Well, evidently, number one, he needed to learn the sinfulness of his own heart. When he saw this happen, they'd been out there fishing, no fish. Jesus tells them what to do, and they pull in a huge haul of fish. And he fell on his knees and said, God, I'm a sinful man. Whatever that was, he was so impressed by that that it revealed to Peter his sinfulness. You know, our own nature is still active. No, we're saved. We've still got those temptations. We've still got that flesh that we need to be careful about. And God will use circumstances to reveal it to us and to teach us. And then number two, Peter needed to learn, need to, learn to obey and trust God without question. Notice, Peter said, Lord... <clears throat> We've been fishing all night, and we hadn't caught a thing. But, he said, at your word, I will do that. See, uh, you know, it's too many times we question God and just say, 
We never go any further. I don't, I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. Peter could have done that. He said, Lord, that's stupid. I'm not going to put these. I won't, be, I won't even embarrass myself in front of my friends and all here. But he said, okay, if you say so, I will do it. He needed to learn to obey and trust God without question. And when he did, God gave him a huge bounty of fish, and he blessed him. All right, next, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. He's been, Jesus has been preaching there. People have been pressing on him. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And he said, you all go on the other side, and I'll meet you over there later. How was he going to get there? Well, he knew, but they, you know, whatever. They didn't ask a question there. So when they, when they left, he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified terrified, and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind... He was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Number three, God sees you when the storms of life arise. God sees you when the storms of life arise. What can we learn from this? Letter A, storms often help us know God better. We don't like them, do we? We don't like to go through storms in our lives. Sickness, financial problems, relationship problems. Whatever it may be, job problems, we don't like them. But in those storms, we can, they will help us to know God better. Because usually when we're in those storms, we're spending more time praying. We're spending more time in the Word. Uh, we're calling out to Him more. You know, when we're just sort of going along in the daily life and things are okay, you know, we tend to just go along and in the daily life of things. We don't really think, you know, if we aren't careful, we'll just sort of think, well, things are going pretty good and don't even worry about it. But when you get in some storms, that forces us to rely on God. And when we do that, we will know him better. Letter B, storms increase our faith. Storms increase our faith. You think these disciples had a little more faith after seeing Jesus walking on the water? 
I think they probably did. Even though, and even though Peter sort of lost his faith and got his eyes on the sea there a little bit, I think Peter's faith was increased. When he said, hey, walk on the water. So, you know, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this? And it may be that he's trying to build our faith in him. Letter C, storms increase our endurance for the long haul. James says the testing of our faith brings, King James says patience, endurance. You see, the, I can tell you old Garrett back here, if you haven't seen him play football this year, he has really come on. He's doing a great job. But I tell you, those guys, they work out. They don't wait until Monday to say, okay, now we're going to have a ball game Friday, so we better work out. You know, if they're going to have any endurance, they got to work all through the year in the weight room, you know, running the stadium to try to build up their endurance. Well, storms do the same thing. Storms increase our endurance for the long haul. And then letter D, this is a blessing, thankful. Storms don't last forever. Storms don't last forever. You say, well, I know somebody that got cancer and died with it. It didn't last forever. They were a Christian. They were healed. They're better off. They're in heaven. Okay? Uh, whatever the storms are, they don't last forever. And that's an encouraging uh, Somebody once said, with Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm. Dr. Howard Sugden, I'm not sure exactly who that is, but he said, the very waves the disciples thought would destroy them is what Jesus walked into their lives in a special way. Think about that. They were afraid of these waves. They were scared to death. And Jesus just used those waves to get out to them. And he'll do that. He'll use the storms and the difficulties of life to come to us and to show himself. And number four, Acts 12, verses 1 through 4. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him to the people. Arab to sort of play into the people. And they liked it when he arrested and killed James, the Bible says. So he said, well, I'm going to arrest Peter too. So he did arrest Peter and put him in jail. And he was planning to kill him the next day. Peter, probably knowing that James had already been killed, knowing what Herod intended for him. Number four, God sees you when you're in a place of no hope. He may have thought, there's no hope. I mean, Herod's already intent on beheading me, killing me. He's already killed James. And he's got me here. He's got these four squads of soldiers. I'm not sure exactly how many that was. Anybody know how many a squad is? 
What about in the army, Don? Do you know how many is a squad? Me, whatever. Uh, but what, it was just more than one or two. It shows how much they believe. How many? Eight in a squad. So that'd be 32 soldiers guarding him. Wow. God sees you when you're in a place of no hope. Letter A, there are perceived places of no hope, humanly speaking. Sometimes in our human thinking, we perceive that this is a place of no hope. There's no way out. There's, there's just, you know, it's, this is just it. And we perceive that, but letter B, for the believer, there is always hope. There is always hope. God sent the angels to free Peter. Of course, remember the church had been praying for them. They were having a prayer meeting back at the church, and they were praying for Peter, you know. And so he got out and came to the door, and this shows you how we are sometimes. <laughs> we pray that we really believe that God will answer our prayer the way, you know, the way that we want, want him to. Peter knocks on the door. A little girl comes to the door by the name of Rhoda, and he says who it is, and she gets all excited and runs in and tells everybody, It's Peter! It's Peter! They said, You're crazy. You know, it is, it is. Well, maybe it's his ghost. Maybe Herod's already killed him. And, you know, they just didn't really have faith that their prayers would be answered. But finally, they, they let him in. And there was hope for Peter in the midst of a place of no hope, humanly speaking, in his perception. Now, here's four things give you a chance to respond number one commit to the Lord today that with his help you will seek to be all that he knows you can be for his glory he sees you he knows you he knows where you are but he knows where you can be he knows your potential and we need to say okay Lord do with me what you want Make me to be what I, the very best that I can be. Number two, what is God doing in your life now? Will you submit to the lessons he is trying to teach you? God's trying to instruct you in something going on in your life. It may be a good thing. We learn things from the good things that happen in our life, not just the bad things. But he's trying to teach you something. He's always trying to teach us something. And we need to learn those lessons. Submit to his will so that we can learn the lessons. Number three, what storms are you experiencing right now? Can you get your storm eyes off the storm and on the God of the storm? I don't know what you're experiencing. This may be a time, you know. You may not be going through any storms right now. Hey, you will. All of us do at times to one degree or another. And uh, when that happens, get your eyes off the storm and get it on God. And number four, have you given up on some area of your Christian life? Do you just not have any hope? Well, make him your hope. 
Make heaven your hope. Make eternity your hope. So, God sees you. He sees all your potential. He sees when you're in need of instruction. He sees you when the storms of life arise. And he sees you when you're in a place of no hope. Thankfully, he sees and he knows and he will bless us in those, meet us in those places. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this has been helpful to somebody. I don't know what others are going through. Lord, I know it has. This has been helpful to me. Or somebody may be going through the worst storm of their lives right now. Lord, maybe not. Or maybe it's something that's approaching. But Lord, whatever it is that you're wanting to teach us, to show us, to make of us, I pray that we would submit to that and allow you to do the work in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. And I